Next week, we're going to start a four-week series on the Christ of Christmas. So take note of that. Today, we finish up our series on some of the core practices, passions, and convictions of Grace Church. And we're going to talk about evangelism today. I wonder if when you hear the word evangelism, I wonder how many of you start to feel things like guilt or frustration or failure. It's easy to do. We can feel guilt, frustration, failure because we know we're called to do the work of evangelism, but we just haven't been able to make it happen. And if that's you, then Jesus has some amazingly good news for you in this passage tonight. It's changed my life when I first saw what was going on here. Now here's the setting, Mark chapter 1, which Isidora read for us, verses 16 through 18. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he comes upon Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. And Simon and Andrew are brothers, they're fishermen, that's how they make their living, and so they're throwing their nets into the, into the water, into the sea there. And Jesus walks up to them, and he calls them to follow him. And they leave everything and they follow him. But tonight, I want us to take a closer look at exactly what Jesus says in calling them to follow him. Let's read verse 17 again. We're going to focus on this verse tonight. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, we could easily think that this calling is just the way Jesus called the apostles, because Simon Peter and Andrew ended up being apostles. Apostles in the New Testament were men who were leaders. They were gifted with authority and leadership. They wrote and spoke perfect truth from God. They were involved in church planting and evangelism, the apostles. And we could think, well, this is because Simon and Andrew end up as apostles. This is just how Jesus called apostles. That would be a mistake. This is not Jesus calling apostles. Jesus doesn't call Simon and Andrew to be apostles until two chapters later. That's when he calls them to be apostles. Here he's calling them to be his followers, to follow him. So that means that this call to Simon and Andrew is the same call Jesus has given to each of us. This is the call we've each received. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, what does it mean to be a fisher of men? Well, it means simply we do all we can to bring people to Jesus Christ. We talk about who Jesus is, we explain the gospel, we share our story, we urge people to put their trust in Christ so that they can have all their sins forgiven, and so they can be reconciled to God, come to know the joy, the heart-filling joy of knowing God. That's being a fisher of men, doing all we can to bring people to knowing God through Jesus Christ. So fishers of men are involved in evangelism. Now notice that these words contain a command that we should obey and a promise that Jesus says he will do. The command is, follow me. And the promise is, I will make you become fishers of men. It doesn't mean he's going to make you become a fisher of men. It's the wrong way to use that word. It's 
the, the, the picture there is he is going to transform you so you want to become a fisher of men. And he will gift you and enable you and equip you so that you are a fisher of men. He will transform you so that you are, this is what you love to do, you're a fisher of men. That's the promise. Follow me and I will make you become, I will transform you into a fisher of men. But for years, I read this, and I just skipped over the promise. I just, okay, I've got to follow Jesus, and, and I've got to make myself into a fisher of men somehow. That's kind of how I was living. But that is massively different than what Jesus actually says here. I try to think of an illustration. Imagine something really catastrophic, like your car air conditioner breaking two months ago. Okay, think of, wouldn't that be a disaster? Absolute disaster. Air conditioner breaks. Now think of what, how you'd feel if your mechanic said to you, bring it into the shop and I will make that air conditioner work. Wouldn't that be comforting? Bring it into the shop, I'll make that air conditioner work. Oh, yes. Think of how different if you misunderstood what he said. If you thought he said, bring it into the shop and you can make your air conditioner work. Well, if it was me, if you were me, I am completely mechanically incompetent. That would be the worst news in the world. Air conditioner is not going to get fixed. But too often, we can just skip right over the promise here. Too often, Christians think we're called to Jesus, follow Jesus, and then it's up to us to make ourselves become fishers of men. That's not what he says. Follow me, he says, and I promise, I will make you become a fisher of men. So I want to dig deeper into this verse, verse 17, because as I thought about this, it struck me that there are three implications of what Jesus says. There are three truths that are in verse 17. I want to go through them one by one because I'm, I'm really praying that for some of you, this will be a, a shift in your perspective on evangelism entirely, that we follow Jesus, and as we, does, as we do, he will enable us. He will transform us into being fishers of men. Three truths found in verse 17. First, every follower of Jesus is called to be a fisher of men. Do you see that right there in verse 17? Let's read it again. Follow me, he says, and I will make you become a fisher of men. This is his call to every believer. Follow me, I will make you become a fisher of men. That means that every follower of Jesus is called to be a fisher of men. Now, that might be a new thought for some of you. So I thought, let me give you three more scriptures just to back this up. I want to give you four scriptures, verse 17 and three others, okay? This is a lot. We need this. I've needed this. Look at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is called the Great Commission. This is the last words Jesus spoke in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew emphasizes these words. This is where the gospel ends. Boom, there it is. Look at what Jesus said. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you 
always to the end of the age. Now, if you read the verses right before these, you'll see, well, Jesus is talking to the apostles here. And you could think, okay, this is just to the apostles. Only the apostles were called to go and make disciples of all the nations. That's not the case. And one reason we know that is because of that last line there in verse 20. Behold, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the age is when Jesus comes back. I'm going to be with you always, all the way to the end of the age. That can't just be talking about the apostles because they died a few years thereafter. He's talking to the apostles, yes, and to every believer who's a believer until the very day when Jesus comes back. That's who this command is directed to. Do you see that? I'm with you to the end of the age, which means this command is to every follower of Jesus. That means it's to you, and it's to me. Jesus calls all of us to go and make disciples of all the nations. A second scripture I'd like to show you is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Some of you might be thinking, okay, but aren't there places where Jesus calls certain people evangelists? And he does. That's true. Right here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And we could think that if he calls some people evangelists, then they're the only ones who are really called to do evangelism. But look at what he calls evangelists to do in verses 11 and 12. He does call them to do evangelism and something else. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, there they are, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So God does call certain people evangelists, but verse 12 shows that part of the evangelist's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Okay, quiz time. What ministry would evangelists equip the saints to do? Evangelism. Do you see that? The evangelists are called to equip the saints. So the evangelists would, we're all called to be equipped by the evangelists to do evangelism. So yes, there's evangelists, and they train us to do the work of evangelism. They do it, and they train us to do it. We're all called to do it from this passage. One more passage. Colossians 1, I'm sorry, Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. This is a command given to every believer in the church in Colossae, every believer that's there, which means it's to us as well, every one of us. Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, towards those who are not yet trusting Christ. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So we are all called to walk with in wisdom toward outsiders, those who have not yet been saved. And that means make the best use of the time with them. That means have conversations with them where you're speaking tasty, salty words of the gospel. They'll think, hmm, ooh, tell me some more of that. Is the Holy Spirit's working in their hearts? So we're making the best use of the time with those we know who don't know Christ. We're praying, God, open up an opportunity, let me speak the truth. We speak with grace, where we don't argue with people. We humbly tell our story. We humbly share about the gospel. But we are all called to walk in wisdom 
with grace, speaking gracious, tasty, salty words. And by the way, we need words to see people brought to faith. Live good lives. Live lives that are beautiful with Jesus' love, that are beautiful with God's grace. Live lives that shine with trust and humility and confidence in the Lord and, and rejoicing and not grumbling. And Live lives like that, but no one gets saved by watching a good life. We only see people saved through hearing the gospel, which is why walking in wisdom means that we're speaking gracious tasty, salty words to them. So live good lives, but don't, don't think, well, I, I just live a good life. I'm not really a talker. Read Colossians 4, read those verses again, okay? So each of us, every one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to be a fisher of men. This is amazing to think about because as I thought about that this week, we all want deep inside to have lives that have significance, right? have meaning. This is the most significant, meaningful, important activity you could ever do, anyone, anyone could ever do in their lives, is leading somebody to faith in Christ. Think about being the CEO of Apple Computer Company. That is nothing compared to the significance of leading someone to faith in Jesus Christ. This is the most significant activity any human being can do. And you are called to do it. And Jesus promises he will enable you to have a part in leading people to faith. Isn't that amazing? I thought about it like this as well. This is like the most loving thing you could possibly do for someone. I mean, think of how happy you'd be if you somehow saved someone from drowning. Maybe they were floating by in a river. Help me, help me. And, and you went in there and grabbed them and pulled them out and... Think of how happy you saved them from drowning. You should be happy. That's a beautifully loving thing to do. But that is nowhere near as loving as taking the steps to lead someone to knowing God forever through the person of Jesus Christ. Most significant, most loving, and Jesus not only calls you to it, but he says, I will transform you to become that. Isn't this good news? Best news imaginable. So with that in mind, let's look back at Mark chapter 1, verse 17, and, and read that verse again. I hope we'll have this memorized by the time we leave here tonight. We're just going to keep reading it and reading it and reading it. Mark 1, 17, and Jesus said to them, follow me. There's the command, and here's his promise. And I will make you become fishers of men. So that's one truth found in, in verse 17. We are all called to be fishers of men. Second truth, none of us are naturally fishers of men. Now, why do I say that? We'll read verse 17 again. See if you don't see that there. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. If Jesus promises every follower of Jesus, okay, followers, I will make you become a fisher of men, that means None of us are naturally fishers of men. Or he wouldn't say that, right? Isn't that good news? None of us are naturally fishers of men. <laughs> That's me for sure. Is, I mean, I'm an introvert. I like to just sit and read books. I mean, I love people, but books, people, you know. So anyway, I'm an introvert. And so it's very easy for me to think, well, I'm not called to be an evangelist because I'm an introvert. And what does Jesus say to me? He says, Fuller, 
follow me, I will transform you into a fisher of men. And you might think, I get so tongue-tied talking to people. I'm so shy. I'm so timid. I'm so quiet. I can never be a fisher of men. And that's why Jesus says, follow me. I will transform you into being a fisher of men. Don't you love that? By the way, that means no excuses. No excuses. He will make us become fishers of men. That's what he promises. Think about Peter. Okay, Peter denied Christ three times publicly. And then around 50 days later, what was Peter doing on the day of Pentecost? He's preaching to thousands of people in Jerusalem, many of the same people who crucified Christ. And he was fearlessly and boldly proclaiming Christ. Peter, and 3,000 were saved that day. Jesus was transforming Peter into a fisher of men. And that shows us that none of us are naturally fishers of men, which I find very encouraging, because I know I'm not naturally a fisher of men. So we've seen two truths so far. We're all called to be fishers of men, and none of us are naturally fishers of men, which leads to the third truth. Jesus promises to make us into fishers of men. Read Mark chapter 1, verse 17 again. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. There's the command, we follow Jesus, and there's the promise. As you follow me, I will transform you to becoming a fisher of men. Again, you might think, I'm so weak in my knowledge of the Bible. I am so get so nervous talking to people. I stutter, whatever it might be. I panic, and I, I get it. I get it. We all have reasons why we think we couldn't do it. And I just want to remind you, we're talking about Jesus Christ here. His power calmed a massive storm with the word, right? His authority cast out demons. His power and authority healed blind Bartimaeus of his blindness. His word come forth, raised Lazarus from the dead. He can use any of us with exactly our temperament, our personality, our speech patterns, just exactly who we are to beautifully display Christ and be part of leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. Follow me, he says. I will make you become fishers of men. So what are some of the ways he transforms us into being fishers of men? There's, there's lots of them, but let me just share three with you. One, he gives us love for people who are not yet saved. He gives us love for people who aren't saved. Look at what, how Paul prays in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul prays for the believers there in Thessalonica. He says, and may the Lord... May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Now, why would Paul ask God to cause believers to increase and abound in love for others? It's because God does that. He can so change our hearts that we are increasing in love for others. We're, we're abounding, overflowing in love for others. God can do that in, in all of our hearts. That's why Paul prays that. 
And notice that Paul's praying that God would cause them to increase and abound in love for each other, their fellow believers, and for all. Lost people too. I've been just reading this morning in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus sees the crowds and he has compassion for them. Say, oh Lord, give me compassion. So when I, when I drive through the streets of Abu Dhabi, when I'm at the malls, I, just, I have compassion for people. I'm not thinking, I got to go to this, I got to go to this. Or this. Oh Lord, cause me to increase and abound in love, compassion for the lost especially, just like Jesus had that. So that's one way that Jesus will transform us, is he will cause us to increase and abound in love for lost people. Another way is by giving us words to say. This will be encouraging. Look at Ephesians 6, 19. Here Paul asks that church to pray for him, and look at what he wants them to pray for him. He says, and pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul's asking believers, pray that God will give me the words to proclaim the gospel. Paul needed to ask prayer for that. Paul needed to ask prayer for that. Isn't it comforting to you? I need that. Paul needed that. We can all ask God to do that. God, give us words. Give us the words to say. God will do it, just like he did for Paul. Another way God does this is by giving us opportunities to share the gospel. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Again, Paul's asking prayer for himself and his his apostolic mission, mission team there. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ. God, open doors for the word here in Abu Dhabi. Open doors for the word in my neighborhood. Open doors for the word in my workplace. Open doors for the word in my sailing club or my pottery club or whatever it might be. Open doors for the word here. God will do that. He will open doors. I was thinking as I was pondering that, this is years ago when, when uh, Jan and I were planting our church in California. I was working in real estate to pay the bills. And uh, I had a house on the, I was a real estate agent. I, was, I had a house on the market. And uh, a husband and wife team brought a buyer to buy that house. And we worked hard, got the transaction done. All, the, all of our clients were happy and it was all done. And, and uh, I'd been praying for just opportunities to share the gospel. And this thought started coming into my mind. I should invite them out to lunch just to say thank you for bringing a buyer to that house and for working so hard on this deal. And so the next day I, I walked up to him. He was there and I asked him, I said, I'd like to take you and your wife out to lunch to thank you for this transaction. And it was just stunning what he said to me. He said, we've been wanting to talk to you. We have lots of spiritual questions and we've heard that you, you study the Bible with people here in the office. We'd love to have lunch with you. And so, for a while, we, let's see, I think we went to Denny's. Denny's in California, Denny's U.S., okay? Anyway, not, not high, fancy eating. But anyway, it, was, it, it filled us up. But we went and we I shared the gospel with them. They had lots of questions. We met again. We met again. They came to faith. We met again and again. I think it was every Tuesday afternoon. Um, and we studied the scriptures. Jan and I got to see them a few years ago. They're living in Arizona now. 
and have been following Christ for decades, raised their family, raised their kids, serving in the church. Beautiful couple. But see, God opened up that opportunity, and he'll do the same thing for you. Start to pray every day, Lord, give me opportunities, and then help me to see them when you bring them, and give me the grace to obey them when you bring them. That's what God will do. So we've seen three truths. We are all called to be fishers of men, first. Second, remember this one? None of us are naturally fishers of men. Third, Jesus promises to transform us into fishers of men. This is such good news. Wouldn't you love to look back a year from now and see how the Lord has used you to be part of bringing someone to faith in Christ who is now forgiven for all their sins, now has had the Spirit of God poured into their hearts, knowing God personally, knowing the assurance of heaven forever, having their hearts filled with joy in God now. Wouldn't you love to look back a year from now and see God used me to help bring someone to faith? Let me close with one last question. What is our part in this? We're not passive in the process. There are steps we take. We don't make ourselves into fishers of men. We can't do that. That's what Jesus does. But there are steps that we can take to open ourselves up to receiving what he has for us. Here's four of them that I listed. You can maybe think of some others, but here's four. First is to pray and ask Jesus to do this. Start praying every day, maybe. Lord, transform me to become a fisher of men. You've promised to do this. Help me to do this, Lord. Make me into a fisher of men. Pray for him. Give me more love for the lost. Give me words to say. Open doors of opportunity for me. Pray earnestly. He will answer that prayer. Second, get equipped. Get equipped. One way to get equipped is in our home groups. Each of our home groups works on helping you develop your 90-second testimony, like your, your elevator talk, okay? your, your short, brief talk where you're summarizing not, not your life story, not God's faithfulness in your life in general, but how God saved you through Jesus' death on the cross. How he saved you as a sinner so that he's now forgiven you and loves you and knows you and will forever. And so you work on developing a 90-second testimony, and then we share it with each other so that we're comfortable with it, and so that we can share it when we're at the mall or, you know, Lulu's in line with somebody or whatever it might be. So we work on our 90-second testimonies. We also work on how to share the gospel. And then each home group regularly will have events where we just invite our friends to come join us, maybe having a dinner or something, and lots of people talking to each other, and, and lots of opportunities there for sharing our testimonies. It's beautiful. So get equipped one way is through our home groups. Another way is next time Hunter does his living on mission class, take it. That is a powerfully equipping class. Are you going to do it again, Hunter? Where's Hunter? Hunter? He just, he just committed. Sometime. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. So second, get equipped. Third, ask Jesus who you can reach out to. Just start asking that every day. Lord, just somebody in my life that you, especially you're going to open up a door with, or you want me to reach out to in a special way today? Who do you know that you haven't shared the gospel with? Be asking that question. Lord, show me. And then fourth, obey as he opens doors. Obey. Have some neighbors over for dinner. 
Get to know them. Hear their story. You can share your story. Invite a work associate out for coffee. Whatever it might be, obey as he opens doors. <laughs> now let me share about Hudson Taylor. I've been shared about him for a while. One of my heroes. Hudson Taylor experienced God transforming him into a fisher of men. He was one of the first missionaries to inland China and ended up overseeing hundreds of missionaries, and they saw thousands of men and women in China brought to faith in Christ. Amazing ministry. But he didn't start off as a fisher of men. And he often told this story of one of the most powerful experiences that God used in transforming him to become a fisher of men. This happened when he was back in the UK, and he was a medical assistant. And one of his patients was a, a passionate atheist with a violent temper who had terrible gangrene in his foot. And Hudson Taylor's job was to change his bandage every day, which would not have been a very pleasant job. But he did every day. Change that bandage, change it, pack up his medical equipment, head out the door. And he started praying for him every day. Lord, save this man, save this man, save this man. Had a burden for him. One day, after he changed the bandage, before he gathered his medical equipment, he knelt down right next to the man, and he shared the gospel with him. He said, I, I, have, I have to tell you, this is so important. We're all sinners. We all face God's judgment. But in great love, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for the sins of everyone who will trust him. I've, I've trusted him. He's changed my life. I'm forgiven. He's brought his presence upon me. Please, would you let me pray with you to, to, to pray that the Lord will open your eyes, help you to see, come to faith. Would you let me pray for you? And the man did, he said nothing. He just turned his back on Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor gathered up his medical equipment and walked out the door. Next day he came in, bandaged, changed his bandage again, and he knelt down again. I know you weren't happy yesterday, but I have to tell you, Jesus Christ is everything. Shared the gospel with him again. The man just... <laughs> Hudson Taylor gathered up his medical equipment and ran out the door. Did that the next day, the next day. I don't know exactly how many days, but at one point he thought, maybe I'm doing more harm than good here. So he thought, I think I'm going to stop. So the next day, went in, changed his bandage, didn't kneel down next to him, gathered up his medical equipment, and started walking toward the door. And he had to turn around and, and uh, look back at him. And God just broke Hudson Taylor's heart. And he walked back to him, and he knelt, and he, here's what he said. He wrote this in his journal. My friend, whether you hear me or not, I must share what's on my heart. He told him about Jesus again. And he said, now, can I pray for you that God will open your eyes? And the man said, yes. So Hudson Taylor prayed for him. Same thing, next, next day, shared the gospel. Can I pray? Yes. A few days later, he put his trust in Christ, and the man was saved. And Hudson Taylor reflects on that story many times in his, the decades of ministry after that, that many times when he became discouraged, thinking, no one's responding, I'm just going to stop sharing. He remembered that story 
And he kept sharing, kept sharing, kept sharing. And people kept coming to faith, coming to faith, coming to faith. Hudson Taylor, who ended up being a part of a massive move of the gospel in China, did so because Jesus said to him, follow me and I will make you become a fisher of men. He'll do the same for you. Follow me. I'll make you become a fisher of men. Let's stand. Pray together. What a loving, gracious Savior you are, Jesus, that you would call us and gift us and transform us into having a part in the most significant, most meaningful, most loving endeavor any human being could ever have, leading people to faith. Lord, strengthen our faith in your promise and help us to press in and to grow as you work in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.